This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. Part three of I Got Questions. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about what is a Christian. Last week, we talked about what is the church. And today, we're going to talk about what is a pastor. If you're with anybody today, look at them and ask them. Don't ask them. Tell them I got questions. All right. So let's do this. Let's jump into the word today. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that we receive the word of God today. Lord, Lord, feed us. God, um, develop us, mature us. Let this be a part of our growth, God, spiritually. God, let us grow in, in the midst of growing in so many other areas of our life. God, I pray that we uh, give attention uh, like in this very moment to grow spiritually and to become more like you. So Lord, we give you this moment. Um, we sit at your table to receive from you. And uh, we thank you, Lord, let, let there be nothing obstructing the word that we need to partake of today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right, what is a pastor? Look, and in doing this, I know I got questions. We're answering really basic questions, um, but sometimes even the basics, there's just depth to them. And maybe even the basic questions can remind us. Um, and maybe clarify, and it causes us to kind of reassess, like what what is this really? What is a Christian really? What is the church really? What is a pastor really? So I'm talking about this, obviously, I am a pastor, so I'm not uh, claiming to uh, do this great. Um, in all honesty, I'm not claiming that I am like the prime example of what it means to be a pastor. I'm not claiming that I have this thing figured out. But as I personally look into the scripture and ask the question, what is the pastor? It's just uh, refreshing to see uh, what it really is. It's kind of um, can kind of take some of the burden off of what culture, church culture and society um, says or just, you know, um, whatever, you know, religion, whatever um, is trying to define what a pastor is, you know. But um, so as we look at this, I, I speak on this and kind of like speaking to myself, making sure that I keep this thing as it should be. Um, and I'm learning as well. So so here we go. Let's just jump in. As I've done each week, I've kind of talked about what these things are not. We kind of highlighted some things that we see in our day as far as, okay, Christians do this. Okay, but that doesn't mean that's who they are. And the church does this or you know, the church is emphasizing this, um, but that's not really who she is. So same thing. Once again, let me say this. I think I've said it every week. That there's a difference between a context we're in and actually our actual identity, right? So even as pastors, there's a certain context given because of the generation we're in, the culture we're a part of, um, just the generation, the culture, the broader culture of the world and the literal kind of micro culture, if you will, the actual community we pastor. And I understand all of those things give context. Um, church has been around for 2000 years, so obviously the context has changed. Uh, but we're trying to just look at the true, um, authentic, 
aspect of what a pastor is, okay? So here we go. Let's jump in. Um, what a pastor isn't, okay? I just got two kind of main things, and I see these things very prevalent in our day. But a pastor is not a communicator, meaning it's not just a communicator. Um, you got communicators everywhere. You got, you know, TED Talks and all kind of communicators. You got life coaches. You got social media influencers. You got um, all kinds of stuff out there and people doing their thing. And there's great communicators. And some pastors are great communicators. Some are not so great. But at the end of the day, communicating a message, or let's just even say communicate. There's more to pastoring than communicating. Okay, there is more to that. And sometimes I think um, if we're not careful, that's what the pastoral role can become. It's like this Sunday communicator. It's like a Sunday motivational speaker, right? They come in, they kind of motivate, they inspire, and then see y'all later, see you on Sunday, right? So I understand that that is a context. Um, we gather on Sunday, we have church on Sunday, and much of our churches are kind of centered around your pastors preaching the word, early church the central focus of, of gather, church gatherings was really literally community. There was scripture reading, but it was literally like food. They would gather to eat, um, and then that kind of evolved. Um, they would receive communion, which was part of their supper, actually. Um, and they were not gathering in buildings they owned. They had no sign in the building that said such and such church and all that. But they did gather, I believe, uh, early church practice was they gathered really early in the morning in houses and just um, kind of like random places. But they did gather. Um, they did pray. There was scripture reading. But it wasn't centered on a person preaching the word. Okay, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But that's a context we're in. So what I wanted to say, based on our context, is pastoring is not just communicating, okay? So I think we know that, but just to kind of look at this, all right? Like, no, we need, we as people, God's sheep, we're, we're God's people, right? We need more than a communicator. We need more than inspiration. We need more than a great message for 35 minutes, okay? Now, that's awesome if you think about it, that people, you know, I'm talking about our context, that people are going to a church building on a Sunday, uh, people are worshiping, you sit down and somebody is preaching, teaching the word of God. That's beautiful. Um, that obviously has its place, that preaching is all over the Bible, teaching is all over the Bible, right? In New Testament, you know what I mean? But um, when we're talking about a spiritual leader, a pastor, somebody graced to pastor, uh, communication is a very small part of what it really is. Can I get an amen? And sometimes we'll say, man, I love this pastor, right? And really what you're saying is you really love their communication. You love the, the, the way they communicate the, the, the Bible. You love the way they, they preach and teach, and that's, that's fine. But a pastor, we're going to get into this, is much more than that. Okay, next one. A pastor is, um, is not some religious person, and I mean religious, I, I don't mean in a negative necessarily, I just mean a, maybe a Christian leader that has influence, right? Like, according to the scripture, pastor's not defined by a, an eloquent communicator, okay? Nor is it defined by um, a person with influence, like broader societal influence. It's not like God's like, okay, oh man, you know, I really want to use you to pastor, but you need a little bit more Instagram followers before I can use you. 
right? So our society looks at that at, at sometimes and say, man, this person has influence. They need to use their influence to share the gospel. And that's awesome that they're doing that. But pastoring is not great communication and it is not influence. Whether that influence is kind of in the church world, somebody with church world influence, you know what I mean? Got like this following, you know, they wrote a book and everybody likes it and they're called pastor or whatever. So, and what I'm saying, I'm not saying pastors can't be great communicators. I'm not saying that pastors can't have influence. Okay. This isn't a lesson on influence, but, but, but just broader societal or kind of micro influence, like this person is known by people that don't know them. That does not equate to pastor. Okay. Some people have influence. They love the Lord and they go into pastoring. And so they end up communicating to a large group of people on a Sunday, but that doesn't equate to what a pastor is, right? Like, so that influence, whether it comes through social media, you know, writing a book or having some kind of leadership podcast, you know, that's kind of popular in, in church leaders right now is like a, a lot out there. You know, they, they, they kind of, they're, they're kind of thinking, man, how do I leverage my influence? And I'm not saying any that this is bad. I'm just saying this does not define pastor. Somebody say amen. So, you know, so they go into the podcast world and they got a leadership podcast, okay? Um, you know, so it's like uh, these kind of, in this influence, this age of influence we live in, it's like you got leadership podcast guy. You got like the, the pastor that kind of writes books that are kind of more kind of reaching people. It's kind of vague. A little bit of the content is a little bit vague. It's about like becoming your best self or something. Um, or, or sometimes with influence and stuff in the church world, you got these, these guys that might be even high capacity organizational leaders. Like, man, they know how to do the thing organizationally and they get this influence. Now I'm not saying that pastors, and I am saying this because pastors do fall into these categories, right? Just by nature of the culture of the church world to this social media culture influence and wanting to get the gospel out there. But let me say it one more time. These things, great communication and, and influence in the world do not define pastor. So as I said, uh, great communication does not define pastor. You can be a great communicator and not be a pastor. A pastor could be a great communicator, but doesn't mean they are or have to be because it's not, pastor is not defined by that. Uh, pastors are, are also not defined by some broader, greater influence, whether that influence comes from social media, uh, a book they wrote, a leadership podcast they're having, uh, kind of life, life coach-esque uh, pastor guy, you know, uh, or somebody that might be in the pastoral role that has this high capacity organizational leadership. Right, all of those things might be a context that a pastor operates in or is in, but those peripheral things do not define pastor. So the question is, what is a pastor? According to the scripture, a pastor is a shepherd. All right, and so let's look at John chapter 10, verse 11 to 15. Jesus is 
the great example as to what a pastor is and a pastor being a shepherd. Here we go. I think these verses say it all, okay? And then we're going to look at some other verses and we're going to dive into all this, okay? So here we go. Let me read quickly. John 10, verse 11 to 15. This is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd, okay? Good shepherd, this word pastor. This is the word pastor. This is where we get it from. It's literally the same Greek word. Uh, it's it's poimen, uh, the Greek word poimen for shepherd or pastor. Pastor is um, from Latin. Poimen is the Greek. You translate poimen into Latin, you get pastor, okay? It's, you know, I, I don't know how you pronounce it in Latin, but that's where we get the word pastor or the word pasture, okay? So here we go. Um, uh, this is the definition. This is what it means. And I'm going to continue to read uh, John, John 10, 11, but here it is, pastor, poimen in the Greek. The word pastor coming from the Latin, it means someone who the Lord raises up to care. Somebody say care. Say it with me. Say pastor's care. Uh, raises up to care for the total well-being of his flock. His flock meaning God's flock. Okay? So the, to care for the total well-being, they're under shepherds. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. He is the good shepherd. He is the quintessential perfect shepherd. He is the shepherd, right? Um, Jehovah-Rohi in the Hebrew, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, so a shepherd, pastor in Latin, someone who the Lord raises up to care for the total well-being of his flock, the people of the Lord. It also means feeder. Um, a pastor feeds, a pastor protects. Okay, so that's what it means. I am the good shepherd. Okay, here it is. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, get this right here. What is a shepherd? What is a pastor? The good shepherd. Jesus is the example. Gives his life for the sheep. Can't get anywhere around that. Doesn't say the good shepherd is a great communicator. The good shepherd has awesome social media influence. You got so much influence, man. You might as well start a church. You can build your platform and you can grow your influence. You know what I mean? It doesn't say that. It just it says a shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd, gives his life for the sheep. Pastors, under shepherds, obviously don't give their life as Jesus gave his life, but the principle applies. A shepherd, a shepherd gives his life for the sheep. It's, I'm here for you. I live for you. I pray for you. I'm here for your development. Come on, somebody say amen. Verse 12, here it is. Here's the antithesis of pastor. But a hireling, which is basically somebody in the ancient world, um, sometimes uh, you can translate that word mercenary, uh, or just somebody paid to do a job, okay? And this is the thing, the hireling was paid to do a job. Once the job was done, they were done with the job. You see what I'm saying? Hireling's almost like a contract. It's like, hey, do the job. When you're done with the job, peace out, go find another job, right? So past, that's not a pastor. The pastor gives his life for the sheep. Uh, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep. Um, own doesn't speak of like this weird kind of property. In a sense, it's not that. It's speaking of uh, something uh, very personal to the pastor. Okay, I'm really getting into this pretty quick here. But um, here we go. So, so own, this word own, it says that, but a hireling, he who is not, he's not the shepherd. Almost like a hireling is like a substitute teacher. He's there for the day, for the job, project, I'm not giving my life for these people. I'm, I'm doing a job till I get paid and then I'm out. 
Okay, that's what a hireling is. All right, and it, it's it's good or bad. It, it, meaning in the society, this word was used like it's just somebody getting paid to do a job, and a pastor um, gives his life for the sheep. And so it says here that he is not the shepherd; he's one who does not own the sheep, or the sheep are not his own. Okay, he's a contract worker, but the shepherd. Okay, um, there is this personal involvement, this this hundred percent vested aspect. Like it's almost like uh, own meaning, like family to the pastor. Like these are God's people, and I've been entrusted with caring for them, nurturing them. Okay, so that's what this means. It's like very personal, it's very unique, meaning these people I uniquely pastor. Okay, I'm not pastoring the world, right? I'm not like, I'm not like global pastor, right? I pastor, no, like the true definition of pastor is that there are real people in a community that that person is entrusted to pastor them. Can I get an amen? Come on now. I'm just reading definitions here, folks. Um, and it says here, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees this wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Verse 13, the hireling flees because he's a hireling. He's like, man, I'm not gonna risk my life for these people. Um, I don't know them like that. I'm just doing a job. And he does not care. This word care to me means to be concerned with, to uh, give special attention to. Somebody say this when we say pastors care. Pastors care. Okay, because the hireling, he does not care for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. All right, I, I'm, a, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am known by my own. There's a relationship here. Jesus' example, I'm telling you, pastoring is relationship with people. Verse 15, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay, so pastors are shepherds. I'm going to say it again, folks. Pastors are shepherds. All right, and I got some questions. Okay, I got some questions. Look at your neighbor and say, I got questions. All right, so check it out. These are my questions. Um, because of because the the fact that these this is what a pastor is, this is what a pastor does. This is what it means that that those verses say it all. And so here's my question: If if we we I'm speaking of pastors, I'm speaking of myself. If we as people in the role of pastor are in a place of spiritual authority, like some type of influence or authority in the body of Christ in the church, and we are not actually pastoring people. What are we doing, right? What are we doing? I understand there's, there's complexity to every job, like any kind of job or role or even calling, right? There's, it's not just this one thing, right? In a sense, there is complexity. Uh, there is a lot. There is like all kind of stuff you got to do, okay? I've been doing this for a little while and there's all kind of stuff you got to do. But, but the question is, if we're going to talk about what a pastor is and we aren't actually pastoring real people, Caring for, nurturing, involved, 
asking questions in relationship with, showing hospitality to, um, I, what are we doing? Like, what is it? Well, if it's not pastoring and, and we call ourselves pastors, but we're really not pastoring, what are we doing? All right. And so here's another one. Um, I'm just asking these questions. If we are not, if we are in a place of spiritual authority in the church, and if we're honest and we're not really given to actually pastoring real people through their life, in and through their stuff, are we then, because the antithesis of pastor is hireling, okay? So the question is, are we using Instead of pastoring God's people, are we using God's people to build our own personal platform? It's just a question. Is this like a means to an end? Okay, is it? Um, is the church, I got questions, say it again, say I got questions. Is the church, meaning the sheep, then a means to a pastor's self-interest as opposed to the people and their spiritual development being the goal in itself? because that's what pastoring is. Pastors, by definition, are in the trenches with people. People will always be the goal of a pastor. The mission of a pastor is to nurture God's people. 1 Peter 5, 1, all the way to verse four. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder, Elder is the Greek word presbyteros. Presbyteros. Sorry, it took me a while to say it. Presbyteros, presbyteros, elders. Elder. It means a mature man having seasoned judgment experience. An elder. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that, that will be revealed. Okay, elder, presbyteros is where you get the word presbytery or the, or the, or the, the denomination, right? From, from the, came out of the Reformation, uh, presbyterian, just means elder. Okay, the presbytery, um, a mature man having seasoned judgment experience, an elder. Okay, verse two, verse two. Shepherd, now this is a verb here. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Shepherd the flock of God among you, serving as over overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, we were just talking about some of this, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Shepherd the flock of God. This kind of speaks along the same lines. Okay, but this is the Greek, this is a, the Greek word, and it is a verb. So it's saying shepherd. I think some versions might say feed. It might even say feed, literally that word, feed the flock. But this word means to tend to, to guard and guide God's people by his direction. 
So what is a pastor? It is a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? They, they tend to guard and guide God's people by his direction. Spirit-directed guidance and care in conjunction with feeding God's people his word. That's what it is. All right, that is what it means. All right, so here it is. Pastors feed God's people. Pastors feed God's people, serving as overseers. Okay, this is where you get the word episcopal. Okay, it's the Greek word serving as overseers is one Greek word, and it means episcopeo. Episcopeo, say it with me, say episcopeo. All right, what does this mean? It means, this is what it means, Episcopal, overseers, serving as overseers. Uh, my in-laws are overseers of Hopeland Church, and they are even present with us right now for a season here in our community, which is awesome to have them. But this means to look at with real caring concern or interest, okay? It means looking with fitting and apt concern, okay? So it means to look intently. Okay, um, to to be aware. So overseers, you know, the word seers, it means to look intently. Um, uh, episcopeo, uh, scopio, it's where you get the word scope. They're in scope. It just it just means to look intently. Okay, um, and and there it is. That 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 is. Think about this now. That is what pastors do. That is the role of pastors. And and here's the next one. Pastors. Nurture God's people. Pastors nurture God's people. Okay, nurture. And I, I think I, sometimes when we think of the word nurture, we think of maybe gen. I guess, yes, gentle is in there. But but really, if you just look up the word nurture, just, just a definition from the dictionary, it means to care for and encourage the growth or development of. Yeah, that's why we, we as parents, we nurture our children. We're not just comforting them, per se. We are caring for them and encouraging them in their growth and development. So nurture is about growth. It, it, it's literally like, I'm here to care, to, to, to nurture, meaning you're growing, and I want to help you grow. And so that's what nurturing is. That's what parents do, Right. So pastors are nurturers. Like, I'm not here for you to follow me. You are not a means to my personal influence. That is, that is not what a pastor is. Pastor's here to nurture. Pastor's here for your spiritual development. Okay? That is what it is. Pastors feed God's people. Pastors Nurture God's people. First Thessalonians chapter two. First Thessalonians two, verse six, seven, and eight says this. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Verse seven, but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. A nursing mother literally giving of herself to feed her babies. 
So the Apostle Paul kind of correlates a nursing mother to the pastoral role here. Verse 8. So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. All right, and so this says a lot. Okay, this is pretty heavy here. This is one of my favorite verses out of Thessalonians. It's 1 Thessalonians 2.8. I'll read it one more time here, okay? I will read it one more time. So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, Okay, not only the message of the gospel. Okay, well, like I said before, pastoring is not solely defined by communication, even if that communication is the gospel. Somebody say amen. So he's like, look, we did not, we were not only pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our own lives. Okay, our own lives. Paul shed tears in front of people. Paul worked right there with people. Paul was with them night and day, all right? He was up in the trenches, all right? But also our own lives. So pastors don't just inspire through communication. They impart the truth of the word of God and the gospel Paul told the church in Rome a desire to come that I might impart a spiritual gift unto you, okay? They don't only inspire, but they impart. They impart the gospel, the word of God. They come to deposit something, not just inspire. And they've also come to impart, to give of their very life, their very life, all right? So pastors don't just communicate the message. They give of themselves to the flock. Yes, Lord, somebody say amen. Look at your neighbor and ask him, what is a pastor? What is a pastor? Here's my next one, guys. And, and just in the context of this, I mean, he's correlating himself, his role. And he's actually speaking even as an apostle. And I don't have time to talk about this. Maybe I'll speak about it in person because uh, I don't want to take too much time with this. But speaking about himself as an apostle, which that role is just, you know, I mean, just kind of, busting into hostile territories and being a part of initiating and creating by God's grace, just church communities and handing them over to other people and just very uh, powerful, you know, the, the, that, the apostolic work, but even in maybe his strategic mind or his kind of, you know, empowering of Timothy and Titus and all these other leaders, he would kind of leave and send, and he's in prison, and I'm going to send Timothy to you. Like, it's very strategic, and he's kind of caring for these, these, these multiple communities, in a sense. But even in the midst of that, he was very personal. Like, he, he wasn't, like, strategy wasn't his excuse to stay distanced from people. Strategy was not his way of insulating himself from truly walking with individuals. 
And he here, he says it, man, we didn't only impart the gospel but our own lives. Like here I am, right here, a touchable, approachable, doing life with people. All right, can I get an amen? So this brings me to my next point, folks. You know, pastors are fathers. Pastors are fathers. They are fathers. It's not, I'm not, it's not the exact of, you know, we're trying to be, take the place of somebody's biological father. But, but in a spiritual sense, that's what, that's what they are. We're going to talk about this. Once again, you know, pastors, they are, they're, they're fathers. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14 to 15. Here, this says it all, guys. 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 15, and 16. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, say it, say it with me, say pastors are not just communicators. For though you might not, though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. All right? So pastors don't just instruct. Uh, they are examples uh, in their conduct. It's not just instruction. It's not that they just instruct. It's like their lifestyle. Uh, they carry what they instruct, they actually conduct. Does that make sense? So um, he's like, look, imitate me. Um, and that's fathers. Fathers are there to be a part of uh, modeling, um, you know, uh, it doesn't mean like projecting some image um, of like, I got my life together, you know what I'm saying? And trying to project this image or whatever, you know, like on social media, like my kids are all this and that. All my children are world changers. I go to the gym three days a week. I only eat these types of foods. Like, you know, like I'm being a little facetious, but it's like, I think sometimes when, if we get, if pastors aren't careful, we get lost in this whole kind of projecting an image and model doesn't mean that. Like we're kind of image projectors. Uh, a modeling means, I mean, especially in the Jewish context, Hebrew Semitic tradition, it's like literally doing like, you see it, Jesus did it. He was a perfect model. He, he actually did like day to day, day in, day out with 12 gentlemen kind of and did his ministry. And he wasn't just, he, Jesus himself when he walked the earth was not some mysterious, loof, you know, uh, he was up close and personal people. I know people couldn't figure him out. People couldn't understand him. He did speak in parables and there was mystery to some, but he knew these people and he did life with them. He modeled, he modeled it, lived it among them, not projected image, right? So, so, and here's another thing too, like as fathers, right? Um, fathers take it up a notch when it comes to nurture. And what do I mean by this? I mean, the context of father, what I mean is fathers go deeper than instructors. Just, you know, Paul's saying, man, you got 10,000 instructors. Not many fathers. Um, and if you just look at a father, you kind of see the whole their whole mindset for their children. 
um, and I speaking of a healthy one, is is their development, right? Um, it's not just to make them happy, right? It's not just to make them smile, although that very well could be part of it. But pastors don't only comfort, they challenge as a father would, right? Um, pastors speak truth concerning sin, okay? Um, because there's wolves out there and you can typify a wolf however you want it. But a shepherd is gonna make sure that whatever wolf tries to come in at the sheep, he's gonna crack that wolf, right? So um, pastors speak truth concerning sin. Why? Because sin destroys lives. Okay, so pastors nurture. And if we're going to grow spiritually, we must confront sin. We must. If you see the letters, Paul's letters, we're gonna read a little bit real quick here, of how Paul dealt with specific sin in churches. Specific, specific. Based on the territory, the region, the type of people there, he would lay them out, okay? He broke down the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter five. He broke it down, named them all. He was naming stuff, sorcery, witchcraft, you know, sexual, all kinds of sexual sins, jealousy, anger, fits of rage. You know what I'm saying? He was breaking them down, right? And so, but he also talked about the fruit of the spirit. So the redemptive kind of quality of, of the spirit of God, of Jesus, but he did confront. He's like, look, as a pastor, right? So he's gonna speak the truth concerning sin, but as we've read, that pastors give their lives to help people come out of sin. So, so pastors aren't just excited, yay, I just, I just told everybody they're sinners and they're all messed up. And if you don't repent, you're going to hell. Okay, see you next Sunday, right? No, pastors will, just based on the Bible, based on looking at the Apostle Paul and even Jesus, even speaking to his disciples in the religious community, they will confront sin. Name it, call it out. But they will back that up with their life. I'm here to help you. I'm here, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to, I'm here to help walk with you, disciple you, so you can get free. So pastors expose sin, right? Shepherds expose the wolf, okay? And, but they love the sheep through the mess and with the goal of getting them out of the mess. Can I get an amen, somebody? Why? Because pastors nurture and pastors feed. And in feeding the sheep, we got to feed them things they don't always want to eat, but it's good for them. Namely, the word of God. Okay, Galatians 4.16. Listen to this. Paul wasn't afraid to speak the truth. Galatians 4.16 says, this is in Galatians, because he's about to speak the truth about the works of the flesh in the, in the church in Galatia. And he says this, have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You got, he's like, as a, as a leader, pastor, you know what I'm saying? He's like, y'all gonna hate on me because I'm telling you what y'all dealing with? Come on now. Come on now. So here it is, my last point. Pastors equip God's people. I shared these verses a couple weeks ago, but I just felt to come back to them in talking about what a pastor is. And I think, I'm not sure if this was the last, last month. It might have been. But here, let me read these. James 3, verse 10. James 3, verse 10. I'm almost done. He's speaking of, you know, our mouths speaking cursings and blessings. 
out of the same fountain shouldn't, shouldn't come salt water and fresh water. And he says this, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. This is James 3.10. My brethren, not talking to the world, not talking to his heathen neighbor, his pagan worshiping neighbor. James, speaking to the church. Brethren, these things ought not to be. Okay, as a believer, some of y'all doing stuff, saying stuff you shouldn't be saying. So kind of like, what's he saying? Hey, stop doing that. Stop doing that. And James is, James is a strong book. It's about really living the life that, that because we're saved, because we receive grace, we ought to have good works. And one of those good works is our mouth ought to be speaking blessing, not cursing. Okay? Amen, somebody. Here it is, last verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Here it is, Paul. That, that was the Galatian church. Now he's talking to the Corinthian church. He says this, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, no, sorry, nor idolaters, fornicators, those having sex outside of marriage, idolaters, those worshiping other gods, adulterers, those having sex with others that they are not married to, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, those having sex with the same sex, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, partiers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. All right? Pastors will name the sin in their community. They'll name it. They'll name it. Why? Because they're a pastor. They're a shepherd. They want people to grow. We need to, we need to confront this. Right? We need to repent up in here. Somebody say amen. Why? Because Jesus died for it. Jesus loves you. You can be free from it. Nothing good comes out of a sinful life. Nothing. Nothing in this life. Nothing in the life to come. The only thing that produces the production of a sinful life, the production of a sin, the production of willful sin is always death. However it plays out, death is the result. Death is the wages that sin pays. Verse 11, look at this. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. Such were some of you. Pastors care about people getting out of sin, getting out of a sinful lifestyle, coming out of Egypt, coming out of the slavery of sin, coming out of the slavery of the enemy, coming out of witchcraft, coming out of perversion, coming out of idolatry, coming out of tarot card reading, coming out of whatever kind of spiritual activity that is totally anti-Christ, not of God, and we just playing with that stuff because it's part of our culture. And no, no, repent, turn from it, burn it, put it at the feet of Jesus. Verse 11, such were some of you, but you were washed but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of God, okay? So I wanna encourage you today, if you're living in sin, repent, turn to Jesus, surrender that, cry out to God, ask him to help you. Say, Lord, deliver me, God, save me, help me to live for you. Come on, just go after God, come out of sin and come into what God has for you. I love you. I wanna pray uh, with you and for you today. And if you haven't confessed Jesus as Lord, if you have not given him your life, or if, you, if, you're, if you're living in sin, if there's a sin, and uh, we mentioned some of this today, some of these things we read out of Corinthians here today, and if you're living in a sin that you know is a sin, and we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but 
If you're living in habitual sin, you know this is not right. This habit, this addiction maybe, um, or just you're just tampering with spiritual stuff that's not the Holy Spirit. Some other thing, and, and you, you think it's it's just cool, it's just fun or something. I don't know if it's tarot cards or any kind of witchcraft, um, the crystals, kind of seeking, kind of even, even yoga, um, which fundamentally it is um, polytheistic, those things. And I understand some people are saying, oh, well, I'm just stretching. Okay, I understand stretching. But I'm talking about these things, these positions, each position is, is an act of worship to a pagan god. So it's, it's the worship of many gods. And I understand the, the kind of what it, what stretching does to the body and all that, okay? And I don't know why I'm saying these specific things here today, but I just want to say, hey, these things ought not to be for a Christian. We, we worship Jesus, man. And, and if you're in any kind of sin, whether it's sexual sin, um, any kind of addiction or habit or, or just kind of messing with stuff, unholy things, kind of inviting these things, opening the door to the enemy through this stuff. I want, I want to pray with you. So just say this with me. Say, say, Jesus, you are Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And I, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Cleanse me. I choose to worship Jesus alone. I worship God. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Every devil, every demon must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And I declare today that my life has been purchased by the blood of Christ. I now belong to God. I am his son. I belong to him and everything he died for. I say yes and amen to. In Jesus' name, I am saved by grace through faith. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.